listener production. Hi there, Sasha Barbagat with you on this extra episode of The Briefing. It is hard to believe it, but we are nearing the second anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. When the war broke out, there was extensive media coverage of everything from battle plans to troop advancements and international aid making its way to the country. But almost two years in, that's significantly dropped off as the war enters a sort of stalemate with Putin and Zelensky digging in. So we wanted to find out what's happening right now in Ukraine and whether there is any hope of a Russian retreat. To help answer those questions, I'm joined by foreign affairs expert Dr Keith Souter. Dr Keith Souter, thanks so much for joining us on this extra episode of The Briefing. The war in Ukraine's been going for nearly two years now. At the start, it was so much in headlines across the world, mainstream news. It really has fallen out lately. What's the current state of play at the moment? So the current state of play is pretty well a stalemate on the eastern and southern fronts. The eastern front and southern fronts are where the Russian population in Ukraine was heavily uh, the, the major population, or at least a lot of them. The attacks that the Ukrainians have mounted in what was called at the time the Spring Offensive, which was some months ago now, they have not been able to breach the Russian lines. Um, Obviously, what the um, Ukrainians were hoping for was that they would be able to break through the Russian lines, force the Russians to retreat at some point. The Russians are giving away a bit on some of their land, but it's not been the big king hit that some of the commentators were expecting. The Russians have spent a lot of their time now building up defensive networks. And the nature of modern warfare is such that there is a pendulum that swings back and forth. Sometimes it pays to be the attacker, like World War II and the use of tanks running across the top of uh, Northern Europe. At other times, it pays to be the defender. And that's what we're in now. So the Ukrainians were good when they were defending their territory after the February invasion last year. Now they've gone on to the offensive. They are the ones who are having difficulty making much headway. It's going to be very difficult now for the Ukrainians to break through. And so we basically have a stalemate. Mm. And I guess that's very different to how we saw things in the first months of the war. Just how different is it February last year compared to coming up to February 2024? Well... I think the key factor is that uh, President Putin, the Russian leader, talked about a special military operation which will be over in 10 days. Clearly, he got that wrong. Mm-hmm. He was expecting to be able to take over Kiev, the national capital, very quickly and failed. As I say, it pays to be a defender rather than an attacker. Yeah. So from his point of view, the campaign has been a disaster. Uh, it's cost him a lot of material, men, been very costly. It's damaged Russia's standing in the world. Obviously, the Ukrainians did very well. They were expecting some sort of Russian attack. May not have been February of last year, but they were certainly saying, look, our major problem is Russia. They did brilliantly at defending the country at the time of the initial invasion, but they can't now produce a king hit that'll knock the Russians out. And so Putin is really now playing for time because he hopes that in uh, November of next year, uh, Donald Trump will be back in the White House. And Trump has made it quite clear that he will stop immediately 
all the aid going to Ukraine. Mm. And there are already Republicans, pro-Trump Republicans in Congress who are trying to cancel that aid already. Yeah. So um, it looks as though um, Ukraine could be left high and dry if it doesn't continue to receive American support. And my guess is that we will then have a stalemate. Right. And it may well be that uh, that we will get an armistice in Ukraine, uh, which will run down the eastern side of Ukraine and then the southern side, which will include Crimea. They will be controlled by Russian. There'll be a very heavily fortified boundary between eastern Ukraine and Crimea on the one hand and the rest of Ukraine on the other. And Ukraine will have to learn to live with uh, having lost about 20% of its land. Mm. What about civilians at the moment? We were seeing a lot of those stories at the beginning of the war in the first six months or so of how the war and how the invasion was affecting people who lived in Ukraine. Has that changed at all? No, I think Ukrainians are pretty tough people. (laughs) When you hear about those stories about what they're putting up with, and yet there is no demand for a quick deal with Russia. Mm. You know, these people are going to go down fighting. They're in no mood to come to a compromise. So when you get people saying, oh, let's have a ceasefire, which will be giving us this sort of armistice arrangement, it's not coming from Ukrainian civilians themselves. They're, They're willing to die for the cause. And that is a problem for Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, because he can't be seen to be backing down and negotiating a ceasefire when so many of his citizens are just outraged by Russian behaviour and they want to have revenge on the Russians. So he can't back down either and negotiate a ceasefire. Mm. He's got to be in there as a fight to the finish. So he's kind of almost been backed into a corner by the strength of his own people. Absolutely. His his people are really, and not only people in his own country, but Ukrainians around the world have been incredibly well mobilised and have generally received in the Western world a lot of support. Obviously, they're being let down by China and India, who really have got other fish to fry. They see this as a white person's problem over there in Europe. Mm. So they're obviously not very happy about what they've seen, uh, but they're not going to come in big time and support the Ukrainians in the way that the Europeans have done so. What about the NATO issue? So that was one of the cited reasons by Russia that it invaded Ukraine was that Ukraine wanted admittance into NATO. Has that progressed at all? Volodymyr Zelensky's pushed really hard for it. He's pushing very hard, but he won't be allowed in. NATO Mm. will not accept new members who are at war under their own set of rules. They can't admit Ukraine at the moment. But obviously, as soon as the war ends, you can imagine that Ukraine will join, or the rump of Ukraine, whatever's left of it, will then join NATO. I was very critical of NATO's move to the east. As you know, it was agreed when the Berlin Wall came down that the Russians would pull out of their side of Germany, what used to be East Germany. The British, French and Americans remained in West Germany, but the Russians said, we will pull out, providing NATO doesn't move east. And George W. Bush, George Bush Sr., who negotiated that arrangement, honoured it for the rest of his presidency. But along came President Clinton, and he started the NATO expansion to the east. And that just fed into the Russian paranoia and put Putin into a corner because so many of his former East European allies had now gone over to the other side and joined NATO. And Ukraine was also on that list of wanting to join NATO. And that just fed into the Russian paranoia because the Russians 
have no natural defences. You know, it's not like Australia. We're surrounded by a giant moat. <laughs> if you're living in Russia, the land between Russia and Germany is flat. So armies traditionally have moved across that way for centuries. Yeah. You know, Putin is nothing new. Mm. There's this old history of Russia <laughs> of being worried about who's going to come galloping over yep. from the other side of Europe. <laughs> so Putin, at the end of the day, has, has created a situation which is a complete disaster and in the meantime wrecked much of Ukraine. And not only, I've got to also add that one way of summarising February of last year is to say the world's largest grain exporter invaded the world's fourth largest grain exporter. And so we have problems now of famine, particularly in North Africa and the Middle East, caused because Ukraine can't continue to sell its grain into those regions. Mm. So you've got people who are perishing now who don't live anywhere near Ukraine, but because of the Russian invasion, can't get Ukrainian foodstuff. Mm. Very messy situation. You kind of touched on it in that we might not see a resolution until perhaps Donald Trump is elected to office in November next year. Uh, would you say that'll be the moment that we might see something change in this war? That would certainly be a circuit changer. So keep an eye on January of the following year because mm-hmm. that's when it'll be sworn in. Yep. But the warning bells will already be ringing in November. As soon as the results come in from early early November of next year, mm-hmm. then the, the Ukrainians will know they're going to be left in the lurch in the following January. My guess is that President Biden will try to get as much weaponry across to Ukraine as possible and perhaps increase the number of fighter aircraft, etc. So that may well be one circuit breaker. Another circuit breaker is that Putin could die. There are all sorts of rumours about his health. Mm. And so Putin could die or be overthrown. Because there are a lot of people who are saying, look, this guy has cost us so much in blood and treasure. We've lost our foreign export markets, etc. He's a liability. And so let's get rid of Putin and then have a charm offensive to try to rebuild links with uh, the West and our former trading allies. Or, on the other hand, Putin gets overthrown and and even more of a hardliner comes to office, Mm. in which case we're on a collision course with nuclear weapons. Well, as always, Keith, we do our best to predict the future, (laughs) but... When we don't have crystal balls, so we'll just have to wait and see. Thanks for your time. Thank you. That was foreign affairs expert Dr. Keith Suda there talking us through the latest on the war in Ukraine. That's it for today's extra episode of The Briefing. Tom and the team will be back tomorrow morning at six.